Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, good morning to each and every single one of you here in person and online. Good good to have you with us. And um, before I jump in and start talking about what, uh, what the Lord has led on my heart to speak on this morning, I want to just take a moment and say a sweet and dear thank you to my wife over the last four weeks, who has led us through the series Mindset. And uh, it's no secret, she has you know, made it known that was the first time she's taken on a task like that for four consecutive weeks and uh, putting a sermon series together. And I, of course, sat at home with her and saw the preparation and the time. And I just wanted to publicly say thank you very much for stretching yourself like that because it inspires me to also stretch myself. So just want to say thank you. <laughs> she also this morning said, you're preaching. <laughs> well, um, so yes, yes, happy Valentine's Day. I don't know if it happened to just work that way where my first time back here would be on Valentine's. I think my wife may have planned it that way, but on Valentine's Day here. And it's fallen on a Sunday on top of that. Uh, so we don't really get that very often. But uh, God bless you all. I am excited to be uh, just presenting the the word of the Lord with you. Um, And I've enjoyed also partaking in the word of the Lord for the last month or so. Well, um, it was about the third century. Anyone around during that time, the third century? I was going to quickly see if I could point out any liars, but it looks like everyone's in the truth-telling mode today, so good. It was in the third century of Rome, around the year 270. That was a few years ago. Claudius II was the emperor of Rome. And he was known at that time as a strong and vicious military leader. He was very interested in the advancement of Rome and the advancement of his kingdom as the emperor of Rome. It was actually said many times that he spent more time out gaining land for Rome than he actually spent in Rome itself. Now, Rome was still a very powerful empire at this time, still conquering the majority of the world. There was one thing, though, that uh, Claudius kind of recognized as a weakness within his kingdom, something that he was paying attention to, and that was his military. He thought they were weak that they were not up to the task of what his vision was. So he found, after looking into his military, he found that men with families were not enlisting. They weren't signing up on the dotted line into the military due to their love toward their families, afraid that they have a lot to lose if something was to happen to them in battle. So the emperor had a quick solution on this, something that he thought would solve that problem. So to get rid of it, the emperor banned all marriages and engagements in the entire empire of Rome. 
That should do it. They that would pretty much solve all the problems. All men, according to his decree, were, men, were to be single. It became illegal to date, to court, or to marry. It was against Rome to do so. Now, in response to this, I'm sure everybody was obedient and thought this was rational and, you know, just thought this was good for, for what was best for Rome, you know, but he knows best. No, of course not. In response to this, there was a Roman Catholic priest who began to secretly marry those who had fallen in love behind closed doors so they can honor still each other in that way. And of course, it didn't last long. When the emperor found out that this priest was doing this behind closed doors, he had him arrested and thrown into jail. And one in jail, the priest actually became very good friends with the jailer. They hit it off. And then the jailer introduced the priest to his daughter. And they hit it off. And it ended up falling in love, these two, the priest and the jailer's daughter. Well, eventually, the emperor sentenced the priest to death. He did give him a date on the calendar in which he is to be executed. And on the day of his execution, scheduled for February 14th in the year 270, the priest wrote one last love letter to his love, and he gave it to the jailer and said, give this to your daughter. And then he signed at the very bottom of his love letter from your Valentine. Now, upon his death, the Catholic Church gave this priest sainthood for what he did. Thus, going down in history as Saint Valentine. Saint Valentine was executed, executed simply because of the power of love. And he wouldn't be the last one I may add in there. Love is a very funny emotion, isn't it? It makes us do things. You know what I'm talking about? It makes us just, you're, there, are, there have been moments in my life I can reflect back into and say, no rational human being would do that. But man, that love thing just makes you want to do it, you know? It makes people just just go bonkers sometimes. It just, it could, it could make you really happy or really sad. It just could do all kinds of things. Love is a God-given emotion intertwined into our DNA as human beings from birth on top of that. We know love. We know how to receive it and display it without having to be told how to do those things. There is absolutely no need to explain why or what you're feeling because you just know what you're feeling. You don't get it, Dad. You know, you will never understand that. Yeah, we will. We've been there. Yeah. Because of this, because of this feeling, because of this emotion, because of this thing we call love, we often misuse the word, quite often, a lot. Because, frankly put, the English language only has us, gives us one option to use for this emotion, the word love. If we wanted to declare our love for our spouse, if I wanted to look my wife in her eyes and just say, my dear, 
You are the love of my life. I would have to use that same word on how I would describe my passion for donuts. <laughs> I love donuts. We all only give them the same word. But we know that the interpretation is not the same, is it? It's very, at least I hope. <laughs> I hope. I know there are some who are very passionate about donuts. But I'm hoping you're pa more passionate about your spouse. <laughs> but thank goodness for you and I, that the Bible was not written in the English language, which is also why, for you and I, it's a puzzle that we have to continue to figure out. It wasn't written in our language. We have to dive in and see the writer's intents, and then we look and we have to see what is it exactly meant by. And because there is a difference, absolute difference, between Christ's love on the cross and David's love for Jonathan. Very different loves, his best friend. This is why we turn to Greek. This is why we look at these things, the language of the New Testament. And in Greek, there are actually four words for love. You may have seen them on the screen by now and on the wall by now, but there are four words to describe this emotion that we call love in the English language. Those words are Oh, I was going to see if anyone's going to jump out there because it's on the back of the wall. Those loves are agape, eros, phileo, and storge. Storge. Now, C.S. Lewis, he actually had a few things to say about the four loves of the Bible. Now, C.S. Lewis is one of my, not one of mine, he actually probably is my favorite apologetic author in the Christian faith. I have read just about almost every book of his. And in 1960, in the 60s era, I think actually it was in the year 1960 itself, he wrote a book called The Four Loves. Well, that's handy. Man, thanks, C.S. Lewis, for that. Because the four loves, that he takes the time to dissect each and every single love of the Bible and helps translate it into the English language so we understand when the author wrote agape or phileo that we could actually feel what they were writing. And so C.S. Lewis takes the time and writes this out. I'm going to be using this as the base of my my message today is C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. So if you are looking for something to read and you have not read The Four Loves, I encourage you to do so. It's very eye-awakening, especially when it comes to biblical love and what the authors intend in each of the sections of Scripture. So the first love, let's just dive in. The very first love is storge, storge. Is the Greek, I'm trying my, I don't, I don't, I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but storge. This word, storge, is used to describe affection. Affection is what this word is for, storge. Storge is perhaps the most common love expressed among humans. It's something that we do often. This type of love can be displayed to anyone, anyone. Anybody can experience storge love. Anyone can give it. Anyone can receive storge love. This can be between a parent and a child. It can be between friends. You see, affection itself is defined as a gentle feeling of fondness or likeness. Just that little sense of you kind of 
kind of like that guy. I like being around them, right? Or just a really a, a storge is just kind of a, just a fondness of it. But as long as fondness is present, as long as affection is present in this particular love, this love is very easy to maintain, very easy to maintain. In fact, this love is easily maintained if only the affection is going one direction. Only you may be showing this love and you're not receiving it. But even in that aspect, it's easy for us to maintain this love. Let me give you an example. The affection felt between a man and their pet. You know what I'm talking about already. A man and their pet. The pet, I guarantee you, is not showing any type of affection or any type of what? My wife's going, well, hold on, hold on, hear me out, hold on. The pet's not showing affection to the owner, especially cats. Cats. They don't even know what affection is. The whole time, cats just look at you like, I'm doing you a favor for being here. I'm not a cat. I have nothing wrong with cat. I just, I'm just saying, you know. A dog at least wags his tail or something, you know. But the pet, no matter what animal it is, the pet is always needy, needs to be walked, it demands food, it needs to be petted all the time, right? Even on the back, you got to rub the belly just a little bit and you get the little leg that kind of does this little thing. You know, you just got to do that, right? It can't clean up after itself, can't do the dishes, can't do anything, can't do anything. But even with all of that, even knowing what the relationship is with this pet, we still love them with all of our hearts. We still love them. Because there's that moment that we feel affection back from the pet when your pet just jumps on your lap, sits there, just because you're his person. You're just his person. Storge, all species understand affection. And they respond kindly to it. They respond, I love it. Storge at its purest form is a humble love. And a love that each of us desperately desires for our lives. Well, the next love is phileo. Or the the love of friendship. C.S. Lewis mentions in his book that people of today... That the people of today, now keep in mind, he's writing this in the 1960s, that the people of today stress the importance of storge and eros, we'll get on eros in a minute, but find philea of little importance because most people have never truly experienced it in full, have never actually experienced philea love. True philea love can be seen in 2 Samuel between David and Jonathan. We see it there. We get to actually witness it there. In 2 Samuel 1.26, David is lamenting. He's lamenting after he hears of Jonathan's death, his best friend. And he pens down these words. He says, I grieve for you, Jonathan. My brother, I grieve for you. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful 
than that of a woman. Now his comments about Jonathan were not suggesting that marital love was inferior to friendship or that his comments were sexual in nature at all. They just had a deep phileia love, a a bond that was between the two of them. He had a level of friendship that has been lost with the times. You see, phileia love is not needed to survive, which is why we often forget about it first. We don't think about it. It is different. Let me tell you, phileia love is different than a social friend or a person that you go out and experience an event with. That's not phileia love. We usually try to keep all of our friends just an arm length away. We don't want, not too close. We, 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 don't, we want you to see what we want you to see, to experience what we want. We feel like that if we are not Instagram perfect at all times, including at home, then we are actually not really good friends or people. We want to kind of put this facade up. Phileo love is when the facade gets kicked down and your friends, your closest ones, get to see all the great and the good and all the bad and the worst. And they're right there with you. They're not pointing, kicking, or judging. They're right there. I'm with you. We can do this. We can do this. True phileo love occurs when, I, when, when we find a person that we can let our guard down so that they can see who we really are. Mm. You see, in today's society, we like to reserve this love specifically for maybe the person that we're going to marry. We like to reserve it for the ones that we're going to have that type of relationship with, but it doesn't have to be that way according to the Greek here. See, marriage is not a biblical mandate. Our Savior wasn't. Marriage is not a biblical. There may be a cultural expectation to be married. Don't get me wrong, there is. But biblically speaking, God has given phileo love to those who choose to be single and they want to experience a deeper love than that of just going to the movies on Friday night with a friend and think that this is as good as it gets. But instead, phileo love is a deep relationship with another human being that is not romantic in nature. It can happen. There's also, I'll make note, C.S. Lewis mentions here, that there's also the possibility that an individual will enter into a phileo relationship with a member of the opposite sex. This is okay. This is the chance that the relation, now there is, if this happens, if this relationship forms between opposite sex, that there is a chance that the relationship will start in philea and actually end and progress its way over to eros love, which is usually not planned, but we say things, we kind of, in the English language, we say, we call this falling in love. We were friends, right? And now we're not friends anymore, <laughs> right? And it kind of, there's like a bridge that happens. Sometimes we get a little blurry when that change happens, but it happened. We, we fell in love where marriage could be the result of it. It could happen. 
God wants us. He wants, he desires for us to have deep friendships, much like that of David and Jonathan, or even Jesus and Lazarus, who he wept upon his death. All right. Next is arrows. I got to get some water for this one. Hmm. Eros love, or romantic love. Now, Eros love is often confused as the love used to, to exclusively describe sex. Ah, oh, he said it. I did. I'm going to say it a lot. Buckle up, all right? Just going to let you know. This would be incorrect. Eros love is not only about sex. It is not just about that. Let me tell you, we, we have given sex more power than it deserves. We have given it more power than it deserves. Now let me pause for a moment. This is not C.S. Lewis. I'm gonna put him to the side for just a moment. Let me tell you, sex belongs to the kingdom of God. It belongs to the kingdom of God. Over the years, over the years, the church has deemed it taboo to talk about it, to mention it. It's kind of the unspoken thing in the room. And so, guess what? We didn't. We didn't talk about it. We didn't. We left it taboo, left it outside the wall. However, this does not mean at all that your and my desire and search and quest for it changed. No, it didn't. And so let me tell you what has happened over the last several decades and generations is that if the church wasn't going to be talking about it, educating me on what it is in the place of the kingdom of God, then we were all forced to have to go to a location and a place that was happy to teach and to educate about it, which was the world, who welcomed us all in with open arms and said, let me educate you on this subject. Let me bring you in. We have entire generations whose only view of sex is a world view. That's their only view of it. The church has failed. We have failed in this area over generations. We have delegated to the world. We have just almost handed it to them for free handed this over to the world and asked them, would you educate us on this subject, on this topic? And then we hold ourselves in this room and to the church in general to a holy standard that wasn't a part of the curriculum that the world taught. Sex belongs in the kingdom of God. It is God's. It is his. Sex doesn't belong to the world. It belongs to the kingdom. It belongs in Eros love. That's where it belongs. Now, God did not create a whole section of love just for this one simple act. However, sex is only to take place within this love. That's it. This is the love that God has given us for it to take place within. So what then 
is it? Because when it's used outside of this love, it begins to hold improper power over us, over our relationships, over our spirit, over our soul. It begins to hold improper power. So what is it? It is a love that is given exclusively to a member of the opposite sex, eros love. This confession, the confession of this type of love can be found in wedding vows. Oh yes, when the couples, they stand before each other and then they profess out loud till death do us part. It's seen for good or for worse ever since we were a child. We understand Eros love as a little kid. We do, believe it or not. We see it modeled for good or for worse by our parents. We see it growing up. Children understand the concept of Eros love when they go to school and they start singing songs like Paul and Annalise sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. We'll talk about that later, Josh. <laughs> we start seeing the importance and the weight of Eros love as a child. Sex has nothing to do with it at this point. It's not even in our minds. But we see the bond. We see the bond that's taking place between these two people. For some, we had a great example of that growing up. An example we use to model our families in. And for others, maybe we haven't. Maybe we didn't get a chance to see that. But it doesn't matter because Errol's love is always, always, always a gift from God. Always. So sex doesn't become a part of the equation until we're a little older usually, and then we start feeling social pressure and culture about the topic. Not from the Bible. So the Bible doesn't actually give sex hardly any power at all, barely any, except that it belongs in this love and that all other love relationships are designed to survive without it. They're actually designed to thrive without it. And if it is used in any other relationship, such as storge or philea, those relationships actually often will, be, will end because we chose to display a love in a way that was not designed for that relationship. And so then brokenness takes place. That's the natural order of the design. This is often the case when we have sex before marriage with a person that you have no intent to have intimacy with, to have complete and total eros love with. Sex in this case is just usually, and I'm generalizing, but usually just to make yourself happy. It's about self. However, however, in true Eros love, it's always about the other person. Every time. Less of me and more of you, my dear. And Eros love is at its best, at its peak, at its prime, when both are thinking this way at the exact same time. Less of me and more of you, my dear. If one becomes happy in this relationship, it doesn't end. It's not over. 
because sex isn't the glue holding it together. It's not over, it's our love. It's our bond, it's our covenant together. Eros love. Now I know I said at the beginning that Eros love is not about sex and here I'm talking a lot about it, I, I get it. But this is because we've made it about this for way too long. It's so much more. It is exclusive and it's meant to be shared with that one person. Love. All right, the last love. You could take the sweat off now. It's all right. The last love is agape. Agape. Or unconditional love. Oh, man, this is... This is a big one. This is the love displayed firsthand by God. By God. To man, as an example. All of the other loves up to this point have conditions to them. Each of them do. They all have conditions to them. Agape is unconditional. In nature, or perhaps, I would say, one of the hardest to achieve is agape love. C.S. Lewis actually refers to this love as true and pure charity. That's what he refers to it as. Meaning that when we, in our hearts, accept pure charity, not in the form that we're thinking of a 5013C, that's not what I'm talking about but pure charity in our heart. It means that all that we do, what we give is unconditional. It's like walking by a red kettle and you put a dollar in there and you're giving for the simple fact of unconditional love. Go and change someone's life. Unconditional. It's not, I will give you this dollar if, and then here are my criteria. It's just charity unconditional love. Throughout history, we've seen the effects of what happens when any of the actual first three loves take the primary role in our lives. There's usually an imbalance which leads to brokenness and all that, but the truth is, the truth is that humans are mortal. We are mortal beings. We have a start time and we have an end time. And this is why for all of us in this room, and I'm not an exemption to this, that all of us in this room find the first three loves so easy to share and to display with others. And it's probably because, and I'm guessing here, but it's probably because that we feel that there is a time limit on our love and we better get to work now. And so we find relationships, we find people to be in that with. And so what love do we show a God that never dies? Who surpasses time? Who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Because he was here yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You use a love that is not subject to time. That it can be passed down from generation to generation. A love that is unconditional that this is a love that can be taught from a parent to a child. It happens in the mundane parts of life during the times that when we're not even thinking about it or anything is on our minds, just sitting on the couch, 
It happens in the moments that we realize that we are just living life unconditionally. And by both our words and our actions, those in relationship with us, within you and within me, can just experience agape love. This is why, by the way, it's so hard to achieve. Because our natural sinful selves wants to start, stop loving you as soon as you hurt me. It's our go-to. It's our natural self. Which is why for most of us, we keep everybody just an arm length away. But thank goodness that the Bible wasn't written in English. Thank goodness. Because the love that Jesus had on the cross was not the same love he had probably for morning manna. The love he had on the cross was agape, unconditional. Imagine all that would have been lost in the details without the specifics, without the intent. So I conclude with this. So which of the four loves do you see yourself in this morning? Which of the four loves do you see where maybe, or maybe you have faces for each of the loves, perhaps? I don't know. But where do you see that? Perhaps the better question would be which of the four loves can we do better at this morning? Who is that? Are there any broken relationships in your life right now? Anything, any mending or a love that was improperly used or abused according to the scripture? Or maybe you're in a relationship right now that you shouldn't be in. I'm gonna tell you that friends, God is ready to redeem, reclaim and restore all things, including you and me, each of us, our relationships. I don't know how to love like that, Captain. I don't know how to love like that. Well, that's why we go to the guy that does know how to love like that. Teach me, O oh Lord, to love the way that you love. Teach me, O oh Lord. God can bring harmony to what seems like chaos. So this morning, happy Valentine's Day. And I hope that you love those around you. I'll let you figure out which the proper one is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you very much for your love, for your cross, for your example, God. And it's in your name that we gather and we read and we look and we, we Father, we do these things because we believe that you are the Son of God who has come to redeem us. But Lord, right now we're praying specifically for relationships, for our love, for our hearts. Lord, help us, lead us and guide us into just, just in ways that are proper within design of your design, God. Help us love others, a storge love, a phileo love, eros love and agape. That God, man, we stand before you and Lord, just, just be your children sent into this world. 
Lord, I pray right now if there's anything broken, relationships or anything of that nature, that you come and heal and restore, that you bring back together, that God, that we can always lean and just depend on you, God, to get us through any and every single complication of life that comes our way. But Father, I hold our chest out proudly knowing that we serve a risen Savior. That when it gets tough and gets hard, Lord, may our faith be in you. And so this is our prayer today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless. Thank you.